Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast. Grateful you could join us. This week, we were joined again by Justin Sua, mental performance coach of the Tampa Bay Rays. This guy's been around some of the elite of the elite. He's worked with NFL, Major League Baseball. He's worked with WWE Wrestling, the Navy SEALs. And he shared with us some of the great lessons that he's learned on that journey. He shared with us what he's learned about the price to achieve greatness and what separates the best of us from the rest of us and the best version of ourselves from the worst version of ourselves. He talked about some misconceptions in regard to the concept of resilience, what it is and what it's not. He talked about what he's learned from professional athletes about using their sport light to do good. He also shared the three essential elements that research has shown is necessary to have a motivated and unified team. We know you'll enjoy the podcast. Give it a listen. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. So I just wanted to start with maybe a few questions and we're, we'll just have a conversation and would yeah, love to hear yeah. your insights, any stories, anything you have come to mind Absolutely. would be awesome. One of the things that we we focus on it, especially for athletes, is really trying to help the athletes understand the price that it that it takes to really excel. I'm just wondering, as you've worked with all these people, I mean, in the military and professional sports and what are some of the things you've learned about the price that it really takes for someone to to excel at their trade, whether it's sports or whatever? But I'd love to hear your yeah. thoughts. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really really good question because I think when you see these athletes on television or you see their highlight films, what you don't see is all the blood, sweat, and tears they put into it before they started to perform under the lights, all the, all the failures they experienced, all of the injuries they had to overcome, all the hours and hours and hours they, they embraced in order to perform at the extremely high level. And what's really interesting is a lot of people, especially youngsters, they under, even adults, when you set a goal to be great at what you do, a lot of people underestimate how hard it's going to be and how long it's going to take. And to, what, to your point, what you just said, if you want to be excellent, if you want to be at the tip of the spear, upper echelon, you need to embrace the boredom of consistency. You need to know that it is going to be boring. It is going to be hard. You are going to have to do things when nobody is watching. And you got to ask yourself, am I willing to pay the price of, of achieving my goals? Whatever it is, in school, in sports, in relationship. A lot of people set the goal or they want to commit to the destination without considering what it's going to take to get there. And so if you're going to set a high goal for yourself, that's great, but make sure you take into consideration the lifestyle that's required to achieve that goal. And I think that's where a lot of people end up tripping up. It's, it's, I've seen it many times after an NFL football game, 
players going back onto the field when the cameras are gone so they can work on their drills or work on their moves. I've seen baseball games end at midnight and players, baseball players, setting up a tee and going in and continuing to hit over and over again. I've seen it snowing outside and players going outside to get extra work. Mom and dad didn't tell them to do it. Coaches didn't tell them to do it. They went out there to do it because that's what professionals do. There's a phrase that the Navy SEALs say, uh, you don't rise to the occasion, you sink to the level of your training. And it comes down to your training. How much are you willing to work? And I think Kobe Bryant is, is one of the best examples that can't believe um, he's not with us anymore. But you just go back and read stories about his work ethic. Read about Kobe Bryant's work ethic. And people say that they thought they worked hard until they saw what Kobe Bryant did and or Michael Jordan or just the elite of the elite. They put in the work. They paid a price. And once again, I'll return back to that phrase. You have to be willing to embrace the boredom of consistency day after day. It's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be difficult. But you signed up for the hard road the moment you decided to commit to going after your dreams. Oh, that's awesome, Justin. I love that. Embrace the boredom of consistency. Yeah. There's a lot of people, I think, who want to be good at sports, so they do all the fun stuff. In my experience, it's like the the T work. That's not as fun as just taking BP and seeing if you can hit it over the wall. Uh, and it's that that boredom of consistency that make people great. That's a, that's an awesome phrase. I we use a phrase, and especially for athletes, it's called "win the hour." I love what you say because embracing the boredom of consistency. Like truly winning the hour is not just doing stuff. It's it's learning what's most valuable, uh, what's going to have the best benefit for your for athletics, for your social life, for your academics, or whatever. And and embracing that and really like, I know this is boring, but if I consistently do this, that's what leads to greatness. And so yeah, there's a lot of great, there's a lot of a meat with what you said. Uh, first off, what you were talking about is doing the hard thing. I think that is incredibly important. And then into this concept of winning the hour, I, I like that. One thing we, we talk about in our, in our industry is there's 86,400 seconds in the day, 86,400. It doesn't matter what grade you're in. It doesn't matter what sport you play, doesn't matter what country you live in, doesn't matter how rich or how poor you are, what you look like, everyone is given 86,400 seconds a day. And what separates the best from the rest, or even the best version of you from the worst version of you, is how you decide to use those seconds. And they go by fast. They go by so quick. You're inviting these youth, you're inviting these parents, you're inviting anyone involved in your program to do what they do on purpose, with purpose, to live a life by design and not by default. Because if you don't plan your day, if you don't plan to go 16 to no, the default mechanism is we're a creature. We want the easy way. Chances are, if you're listening to this and you're a teenager, you've asked your teacher, what's the least amount I have to do to get an A? What's the, le what's the least amount I have to do? Hey, coach, can we do something so we don't have to condition? What can we do to take it? It's like, we want the easy route. We're cutting corners. We're not touching the line. And that's not what elite people on elite athletes or humans do. It's embracing the difficult thing. It's leaning into the hard thing because that's what's going to set you apart, not just set you apart from others, but get you inch you closer and closer to the best version of yourself. Thank you for those thoughts. That's uh, 
that's something that's close to our heart. One of our just core principles. Well, one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about is the topic of resilience. Uh, many studies suggest that the the youth today are a less resilient generation than they've been in the past with, with things such as um, some heavy topics, you know, uh, suicide and anxiety and and some of these things that are that are really struggles um, that are going on with our youth, and and we really try to help all that we can with that, and um, and help athletes look out for one another and and look out for their friends. But you know, you deal with people in the most pressure-filled moments sometimes. Uh, I, I'm I'm curious just what you would have to say about. Uh, sports and resiliency and and what you've learned about gaining resiliency and how sports can help with that or just that topic in general uh, i would love to know what your thoughts are on yeah that. no resilience is it's a powerful topic because it's not just as you mentioned sports related it's resilience in life resilience in school resilience in relationship and for those who are not a, who don't know resilience is your essentially your ability to persist your ability to keep going, for lack of a better term, just to, in its in simplistic form, it's your ability to get up when you get knocked down. Now, I think in order to understand resilience is to understand the human element. Um, resilience, what it is not, it is not walking around pounding your chest and thinking that you're superhuman. It's not, um, it's not burying your, your emotions. It's not hiding who you truly are just to to put on a mask to show the world that you are invincible and you're strong. No, that's that's not what resilience is. Resilience is knowing that you're fallible. Resilience is knowing that you're a human. You're going to have bad days. You're going to take losses. You're going to have things that happen off the field or off the court or off the course that is going to rattle you. That's going to even cause you to question, do you even want to play anymore? Do you even want to do this anymore? That is real. Uh, you're going to have thoughts that are dark. You're going to have feelings of wondering, questioning your worth, questioning your confidence, questioning your direction and your motives and questioning your beliefs and questioning your identity. That is human. That's normal. It happens like, like you said, Chad, athletes at the highest level. And, and that's okay. And that's okay. Resilience isn't ignoring them and saying, oh, just, just be positive. Just be grateful. Look at the bright side. No. That's not resilience. Resilience is messy. Resilience is showing up to practice at about 30%. And sometimes the best you can do is go through the motions. Sometimes just showing up is all you can do. And you might have a terrible practice, but you know what? Gosh darn it. Here you are doing the best you can on this day. And I think resilience then is learning lessons. It's being able to focus on what you can control as opposed to get consumed and inundated on things you can't control. Resilience is clinging on to your go-to people, to mom, to dad, to your friends, to, to your faith, to your leaders so that you could keep going. And sometimes they might have to carry you and help you through it. It's being open and looking at people and saying, I'm struggling today. I'm struggling and this is what I'm struggling with. 
I've had grown men who I won't even mention because out of straight confidentiality and privacy, cry in my arms and cry to my face because it is so heavy and it is so difficult uh, from general managers to head coaches to, to elite athletes, to Navy SEALs, to myself, it gets very difficult. But then resilience is, always, is also learning from your mistakes. It's learning from your failures. It's, it's, it's looking at your scars and using your adversity to make you better, is using your adversity as stepping stones and not as stumbling blocks. Uh, resilience is being able to look back and seeing all the things that you've overcome and to realize that, wow, even though I don't want to live those all over again, uh, I learned some valuable lessons and they've turned me into the person, to the athlete, into the student, into the son, into the daughter I am today. So I think that's resilience to me and I see it all the time. I really appreciate that because I do feel like that every now and then there is a certain perception of tough guy, you know, tough girl, like they can handle this. They can, where we feel like it's a, it's a sign of lack of resilience to reach out and get some help. You and I both know athletes aren't immune to anxiety, to depression, to suicidal ideation. These aren't things that having athletic ability makes you immune from. And, but every now and then there's almost this bad combination where, where if we feel like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a tough person. I don't need anyone. You know, then we feel like some have the misperception that resiliency is not showing any weakness. You know, that doesn't affect me. That doesn't, I love that. uh, How you delineated that, that, that's not resilience. Resilience is when you, when you don't feel like going, you could even let others carry you and, and, and get the help that you need. That's a sign of resilience. I, I love that, Justin. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point, to add to that, a lot of times if you get if you sprain your ankle, you go to athletic trainer. Uh, if you have any physical ailment, you're going to go to some kind of professional to help you with those things. But the thing about mental uh, pain or emotional pain, it's, it's invisible. It's invisible. No one could see it. No one could, no one could see your broken heart. No one could see your depression. But you may look fine on the outside, and it's also easy to mask. So we have a lot of athletes who are playing on a bad ankle or a bad arm or a bad shoulder and they get out there and the athletic trainer knows about it and the coaches, but not a lot of people can tell when you are going through emotional pain or physical pain or, or I'm sorry, mental pain, emotional pain. And so again, to your point, it's, it's normal, but like you said, the old school way is, Oh, don't share it. Don't share it because you're going to look as weak. But again, that's what at the highest level, like it, people share it, they express it, but but you can still be successful despite those things. Uh, we have all these different athletes who still play at a high level under physical pain, uh, some degree of physical pain. Yes, there's still some moments where you might have a lot on your mind. And yeah, you still go out there to practice. You still go out there to work. But there does come a point to where it might be too much. And, and probably sometimes the best thing you can do is to take a break or talk to a professional and so forth. And so, yeah, to your point, it's a uh, resilience is a lot of things. And um, it's more about being mentally flexible and, and being able to adjust, being able to adapt and being able to stick with your goal um, in the face of adversity and keep getting up, just keep getting up. Thank you so much for those thoughts. You know, one of the things, Justin, that we, uh, we really, 
we feel like athletes are in a position to really affect the culture around them. And one of the reasons why, especially for athletes exists is we think that there are some societal problems and loneliness, you know, people being left out, even uh, some of the things we've been talking about, anxiety, depression at the, their school, that, that athletes, if they really woke up to, hey, you know, there's these things happening and we might be in a position to help with that. We call it the sport light, you know, the spotlight that's put on athletes because they play sports, that extra attention that comes to them puts them in a position to be able to, to help and, and do things for others. And when you think of high school athletes reaching out to help their friends at their school and trying to impact the culture at their school, uh, I would just love to know what thoughts you have about their ability to do so. And maybe even some, uh, some cautions, you know, uh, yeah. as they think about that. Yeah. So your ability to do so, I think one of the things that's, that's amazing with these professional athletes is, is their ability to affect change and their ability to help a society and to serve a society uh, to, to be with a player when we go out to dinner and to see the, the people just light up just absolutely light up a room and they come up to him and he signs autographs and to put smiles on people's faces, a simple, simple little gesture, a simple handshake or a simple fist bump coming from me versus coming from an NFL quarterback. We're both human, completely different. That person is going to feel completely different. A hello coming from some random person versus coming from an athlete who's in a newspaper who people put on a pedestal means a lot. And so I've seen it so many times where these players go visit hospitals. These players will go visit food drives. They'll go visit those in need. And it means the world because they use their platform uh, to, 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 to bring out the best in others and to help those in need. And so I think, yes, it is an, an amazing opportunity for you. You might be sitting here and thinking, but I'm introverted. Don't let that, don't let that tough guy or that tough girl extroversion on the field fool you, Justin. And I'm not fooled by that. I know that you might have a different personality and outgoing personality on the court, but off the court, you might feel insecure. You might not like the spotlight. You might not feel special. You might feel that you, how you might think, how can I go help another person when I'm the one who's struggling, when I'm the one who's lonely, when I'm the one who needs some help. And that's understandable as well. And not to minimize that what you're going through, but sometimes you can just keep it simple. You can just keep it small. You don't have to, uh, if you're more of an introvert, it could be a hello. It could be a handshake. It could be a fist bump. It could be a, a smile, a wave. Those little tiny gestures go a long way. And some of you are comfortable with inviting people to your home or going out to eat or whatever it may be, bringing them into your circle of friends. Know who you are. Know your personality. And uh, and and make and it's understandable if it might be difficult, but but with a little bit of practice and a little bit of ingenuity and and leaning into your strengths, you can make a tremendous difference, big or small, for others. No, oh, that's great. You know, one of the things that came to mind, and it might seem like a tangent here, but I. I often, as I'm speaking to these groups and going around and, you know, we'll have all the athletes from a high school filling an auditorium and we're speaking to them. And I, I look out into the eyes of the kids and I almost see in some kids' eyes, like, 
as we're talking about, hey, you're part of a team, you know, you you have that that great benefit of being part of a team. And you almost see pain in some kids' eyes, like, well, I'm on the team, but I'm not, I'm not part of the team. As I've stood before these groups of people, I've often thought, boy, if we could just start there, there's enough pain in this room that if we just eliminated the pain in this room, it would be a great a great thing. And you've been in a lot of clubhouses with a lot of teams. And I'm just curious what you've learned about a team that looks after one another, that has true unity. And and I know there's never perfect unity or anything like that, but, but a team that truly, they love each other and they look after each other. What, what impact have you seen that that has versus maybe the opposite? Right. I I think, that's a great question uh, because it totally depends. I've been in a lot of different clubhouses and locker rooms around the world and has seen it look different ways. But to your point, there is a common thread with those who succeed and it's the relationship amongst the teammates and, and how connected they feel, not only to each other, but to a common goal, a common purpose. There's research that shows that if you want to have a motivated team, If you want to have a a very driven team, there are three things that need to be present. Number one, every player on the team has to have a sense of control. Like they have to feel that they can focus on what they can control. They have a sense of control of their own domain. Number two is a sense of competence, meaning that they feel that they're getting better. They feel that they are improving at their task, whether it be a quarterback, basketball player, golfer, volleyball, whatever, whatever sport you play. And then number three is camaraderie, feeling a sense of belongingness and friendship with those who you are around. And so, yes, I have seen things happen where now here's another thing. At the pro level, winning and losing is the X factor. It is a lot easier to be friends when you win. It is a lot easier to smile and to dance and to celebrate when you're stacking up the dubs. But when you're not... What that does, people turn inward. They become more scared. They're, am I going to keep my job? Is that person going to take my job? And now when people aren't winning as much, now they're going to be replacing people. Okay, maybe you keep, we're going to find someone else to get the job done. There's this, there's this umbrella, this dark cloud that comes over of selfishness of, okay, now I got to look out for myself. And so being very aware of how your team is doing, and it, it really comes down to the coach, comes down to the coach and to be, and the leaders of the team to say, no matter how bad things get, No, we are going to continue to strengthen our relationship. We're going to continue to love one another. We're going to continue to look out for each other and do team team building activities because that's when you become really susceptible to getting those splinters and backbiting and backstabbing is when you don't do very well. And so uh, just be on the lookout for that. Just build those great relationships. With the Tampa Bay Rays, we have two, two, two rules. Try your absolute best and be an elite teammate. That's it. Those are our rules. Two rules, nothing else. And uh, those two rules pretty much cover everything else. That's really awesome. I, I would just love to know from your perspective, you've been around, I mean, the elite of elite coaches and, and, and you're part of developing these, these players to be mentally strong and, and prepared for the moment. 
just do you have any advice for us who who are helping our teenagers and you know that that work with them either to the teenagers or to the parents or coaches how how could we instill confidence and get the most out of these these times when they're playing sports to help them develop in life yeah oh we could have a part two. I could speak for a lot. I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, not definitely not the guru or the disseminator of all knowledge. And uh, but there are a few things that I've picked up along the way that uh, that I wish I would have known when I was younger, especially coaching and so forth. So, a relationship with failure. If you want to help kids succeed stop crushing them when they fail. Uh, stop destroying them. Like, it's human. That's what happens. It's life. And what happens a lot of times is when kids succeed, it's like, oh yeah, you should have succeeded. Oh yeah, that's, that's it should have happened. And so we have, we have, they have this certain level of intensity when they succeed, but when they fail, it's, there's no intensity match. It's how could you let that ball go through your legs? How could you miss that easy shot? It's like, wait a minute. I'm getting crushed when I fail, but when I succeed, I'm all the way down. Like It's like, okay, that's good. It doesn't matter. And so to celebrate their wins, celebrate their successes. Let me give you an example. When I was 10 years old, I was on the mound and, and this was a, a back in a day where they could lead off. And so I'm on the mound, the runner was getting off and I go to pick him off. Chris is at first base. He catches the ball and he tags the runner safe. Not that big of a deal. Throws the ball back to me. I'm on the mound again, and uh, the runner's leading off. I throw the ball to the catcher. I pitch the ball. Jordan's the catcher, catches it. He throws the ball to Chris to see if he can tag the runner out. Safe, not that big of a deal. Throws the ball back to me. Next thing you know, my dad, who's the coach, comes running or comes out of the dugout clapping. Great job. Great job. Like we won the World Series. It was really not even a big deal. It's like a chess pass to another person. You didn't even shoot the nothing happened. And he's going crazy. Great job. But here's where it comes. He goes, Great job, Joey. I see you. Now, I thought he forgot our names because the only three people who touched the ball was me, Justin, Chris, and Jordan. Now we had a Joey on our team, but his hat was too big, his jersey was too big, his glove was too big, never got a hit. And so usually when you have a guy who's the smallest 10-year-old I've ever seen to this day, usually where do you put that guy? Usually deep right field. And uh, just to protect him, out of protection. And so when Jordan threw the ball to Chris, all Joey did was take a few shuffles to his left and then he went back. That's it, like two shuffles. And it took a coach to catch Joey winning. He noticed Joey. Next thing you hear is all the parents clapping for Joey, started chanting for him. He pumped his arm in the air. And wouldn't you know it, every time Jordan threw the ball at Chris, Joey was, he was backing up. For those of you who don't know baseball, he was backing up the throw in case the ball got past Chris, Joey was there and probably would have got past him too, but at least he was playing this position. And so it was a coach who was catching his people winning. So what I would say is to catch yourself winning, even if it's small. And if you fail, you fail. Learn from failure. And also there's this arc of growth. These kids in high school, they're, they're developmental. You're, develop you're not a professional yet. And so you're learning, you're failing, you're growing, you're struggling, you're striving. You're not getting paid to do this. Uh, and so you, you, there's one, we were, we were playing, uh, we were playing racquetball, I was playing racquetball with somebody three guys. And one guy was a beginner. He was getting really mad. 
And my buddy looks at him and he goes, you're not good enough to be mad. <laughs> we're just laughing. We're laughing. And he's like, well, that's a good point. He's like, why are you so mad? You don't practice. Like, you don't, you don't train. Like, why are you getting, just have fun. And so I'm not saying you're not good enough to be mad, but enjoy it. Enjoy your teammates. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the process. And parents and coaches, they play a huge, huge role in that. Uh, you can't grow from failure if you don't if you don't adequately learn from it, take the emotions out. Yeah, you're going to get emotional, but pause, let the smoke settle and really use it as a teaching lesson. Yeah, man, I love that. I think that applies to a lot of areas of life, even in parenting. You know, I have that, that feeling sometimes that when my kids do what they're supposed to, it's, you know, golf clap, like, good job. That's what you're supposed to do. And then they have a bad moment and it's like, there's this temptation to really accentuate that bad moment and not accentuate the others. I think that has a lot of application. That's awesome, Justin. I could, I could talk to you all day, man. So oh, likewise, likewise. <laughs> hey, thank you for this. I, I'm just wondering, uh, you know, don't want to take up too much more of your time, but here's, here's the mission of, especially for athletes. And then I would just love any encouragement, any, just any thoughts that come to your mind. And that is, so we wear uh, these wristbands that say eyes up, do the work eyes up, meaning look, look for people who may need you. Keep your eyes up and notice people around you. Who's alone on your own team. Who's struggling, who seems down and do the work is when you see someone who's struggling, do something. And, and like you said earlier, it could be simple. It could be just wave. Hello, how are you? You know, whatever it might be. So that's it. That's our mantra. Eyes up, do the work. I like that. I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts to share just to close this, this interview today, just knowing that, that we have thousands of youth who have committed that, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And they're, they're working really hard to be the best athletes they could be because they love it. And also because they know that it, it makes that sport light go brighter and that, that influence to grow greater. And, and then they can help even more people uh, as we've talked about. And so that's, that's these youth. And we have some that are just, I mean, they are so committed to this, to this cause. And, and I would just love to know if you have any thoughts or, or a message to them to close today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember, I remember back in my, uh, my teaching days, I learned a, a story um, of a bulldog and uh, it's, it's one of my favorite stories. And I don't know if it's true or whatnot, but, bull, but obviously uh, bulldogs, like where they, where they originated from, uh, with their use, they, they were used to herd bulls. And, and what would happen is anytime this bull herder would try to take these huge bulls from one place to another, you'd get your occasional stubborn bull and the bull would fall to the ground and he would start poking it. Like, come on, get up. But then bull wouldn't get up. Like, oh, you're not going to mess with a bull. And, but he would have this trusty little ugly, tough, resilient bulldog, small guy not even close to the size of the bull. And he would march in front of the bull laying on the ground and he would start barking, start barking, pretty much telling it, you better get up. You better get up or you're in trouble. Now the bull doesn't speak bulldog. So it's, he's got this little dog yapping in his face. I'm not going to listen to you. And so if the bull didn't get up, the bulldog was trained to jump up and crush the bull's face. Now it has its attention. So the bull stands up and has a little bulldog dangling from its face 
and trying to release, relieve itself from the pain, it starts slamming the bulldog on the rock, on the rocks, on the ground, against trees. But the bulldog just does not let go, doesn't let go. until finally the pain is so much, the bull falls to the ground. The bulldog lets go after taking a beating, backs up and starts barking. You better stand up. You better stand up. Or we're going to do that again. Now the bull speaks bulldog, stands up, and he follows that little bulldog wherever he's going to go. As you move forward with eyes up and do the work, you got to have that bulldog mentality. You got to hold on to your dream. You got to hold on to your goal. You got to hold on to those things that are most precious to you. And knowing that you're going to get beat up, you're going to get punched in the face, you're going to lose. But as long as you keep your eye on the prize, and as Stephen Covey says, keep the main thing, the main thing, you're going to be able to find, you're going to find the power, you're going to find the ability to hold on to those things that matter most, you're going to get through the tough times, and you're going to make a tremendous difference inside sports and outside sports, and most importantly, within the walls of your own home. Awesome. Awesome. Dustin, thank you. Tell us, I know you do a podcast as well. And if people listen to this, wanted to check that out and, and learn some more, where could they go to find that? Yeah. If you go to any, whether it be a Twitter, Instagram, at uh, Justin Sua, and right there in the link, you can find my podcast. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Justin, appreciate you so much. Uh, good luck with everything going on. This has been the Sport Life Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sport Light, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforathletes.org slash book.